Tarot Kickle episode 97 solo episode tonight. Chris Colabello here with you. I'm by myself with a special guest, Bobby Tewksbury, not in the house tonight. Bobby, we miss you. I'm going to try to not mess up the intro for us. This is episode 97. Before we start, email us pickle at pelotero.com or tweet us at Pelotero Pickle with any topic ideas you'd like to hear about. We have a special guest tonight, uh, one that I know very well, a young man who I'm incredibly proud of, Rutgers baseball, born Braves, Cape Cod League all-star and Cape Cod League champion, Evan Slight. Evan, how are you doing tonight, man? Great, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Been listening for a while, so it's it's an honor to be on here. Definitely missing Tukes, but, you know, sending my regards. Yeah, we don't need him tonight. I just crushed the intro. That's the first time I've done it, and I just smashed it. So First um, try. Yeah, maybe now, like, maybe I'll get to do the intro on our following shows. So, I don't know. Right. That was a little too crisp. Yeah, I mean, it's, as as Coach Ferber would say, stay crispy out there, my guys. Um, it's uh, it's cool to have you on, man. I, I think, A, I've known you for a long time, and, and B, watching your journey as a player has been super cool for me. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out, even though we don't, play the video anymore we'll we'll have some video clips here but i, I know you're representing a special shirt for you uh nil stuff i want you to put it out there big league chew rocking the big league chew shirt tell me tell me about Absolutely. that tell me about how it came up no doubt so you know big league chew's always been big i've been chewing it since like i was in little league we all have right so when i hit my my first collegiate hit nca had reposted it or whatever um and i happened to be having it i had a big bubble in my mouth so i ended up tagging big league chew and then when all that NIL uh, stuff was passing through, I actually was the first big league chew sponsored athlete. So now I work with them and I, you know, I promote them when I can, cause I truly do love the product. I'm always chewing gum during the game. It keeps me loose, keeps me calm. So. So you get your shout out. You got your shout out right there. That, this yeah, is how, free, uh, pub, free pub. Just so you know, I, I did, uh, I'm, I'm rocking a blue Jays hat tonight cause my hair is bad. So I put a, a blue Jays hat on just in the event. You know, we, we clip a lot of our stuff for social now. And, uh, you know, I was uh, – I'm rocking the Blue Jays hat, which I just picked off my wall of fame that's sitting right behind me. Uh, all my, my hats are down there. My wife laid them out for me. So, technically, uh, you know, I'm repping for my old team. But I, I did Toronto radio the other day. Uh, it was probably like last week, week and a half ago. And they asked me um, – you know, they asked me about Pelotero right away, which was kind of interesting because usually you save the promo till the end. But the next radio host, I did back to back days on two different stations. And the guy was like, hey, we're going to start with uh, what are you up to these days? And I was like, well, you're right off the bat, you know, you're asking about Pelotero. So I wanted to give you the courtesy of, of getting that shout out. So now maybe like, yeah. hey, Big League Chew, like maybe we need, you know, a little bit. Uh, maybe you can sponsor the podcast. Maybe like. You know, we incentivize, like put some incentives in your contract or something. Absolutely. I'm going to have to reach out and send this this their way. So I'm excited to. Thank you. Thanks for passing along the favor and, you know, helping me out. Yeah, we'll let them know. So I'm, I'm repping my brand, Pelotero, and a Blue Jays hat. So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it, too. So don't, don't feel bad. That's what we got to do nowadays, you know. Um, but anyway, let, yeah, let's get into it a little bit. So I, mainly I want to use this episode to talk about your story because it's, it's a really cool one to me. Um, I think a lot of our young listeners could probably resonate with uh, a lot of the things you went through. So tell me a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, uh, your yeah. journey through high school before we go to college and so on. Absolutely. So I grew up as a, you know, three sport athlete. My dad was an athlete. So, you know, sports were always big in my family, uh, whether it was going outside, playing like wiffle ball, hitting tennis ball. We were doing doing everything we could, you know, played football, hockey and obviously baseball. So so growing up, those were always a priority for me. And then made my way to Belmont Hill, um, where I knew I'd have a, you know, try to have a great chance to elevate myself and, and compete with kids who are older and, you know, the best in their towns. So got out of there, got into Belmont Hill, um, continued playing in all sports. And it was tough at first because a lot of kids repeat at Belmont Hill and, and they were bigger than me, a little faster, a little stronger. And it kind of, you know, kicked me for the first time. And it was great because, you know, forced me to come back each year and get better and compete. 
so that was kind of like the first taste of failure, I'd say, um, was just getting to Belmont Hill eighth grade year and, and learning from that. So, yeah, you want me to keep going with that? Well, I mean, if you, anything you think that it would be valuable for young guys to hear, but you, you mentioned like going to, and this is something I wish I had done, is like challenging myself sooner. Like certainly at Milford High School, I had the opportunity to, to play with some really good players and for a really legendary historic coach in Milford, Mass. And, and people don't necessarily associate baseball with the state of Massachusetts, especially in the time I was growing up where I think things were much more sectioned off nationally. Like you looked at the Southwest, Southeast uh, part of the country is really hotbeds for baseball, but you, you were able to kind of get on the map early in your high school career. Is that, is that right? Yeah, totally. I mean, don't get me wrong. Our framing him, we had, we won the state championship at football in sixth grade. We were a top ranked team. Um, our hockey team was elite. I mean, we had a lot of good sports going for us. So it wasn't like I was getting out of a place where, you know, there wasn't a lot of good, good athletes because Premium's a big city. So plenty of good athletes, but it was just being able to play, you know, for, for those schools with, with more chances. Cause you know, some of those prep schools do have better outlets and, you know, coach Grant is the man. I still talk to him weekly. I would say um, he was a huge influence on me. But yeah, so I, I ended up getting some early attention. I struggled a little bit when we moved to the big diamond and, you know, I had, like everyone does, I was just, you know, just trying to figure out my way through baseball, learn, learn from struggles that I had never dealt with before. Um, and I ended up having a really good Worldwood Bats uh, tournament in a good summer. And I ended up committing to Virginia after my freshman, uh, freshman year. So that's pretty cool. Like I, I, I don't have really experience with, uh, you know, getting offers from big schools like that. It must have been a huge sense of relief and a huge sense of pride to get recruited early on that early on in your high school career. Totally. It was, it was such a whirlwind. It was crazy because I just was a freshman at Belmont Hill and, and I played center field and I was just, you know, just trying to athlete, try to do whatever I can to help my team. And I entered this whole new world that I had no idea even existed. So, you know, it, for my pride, I would definitely say it was, it was cool. Like it was a cool thing, but I never really, you know, if anything, it kicked me into another gear because now I was competing with kids on a whole new level, you know. Did you feel like making that commitment that early in your high school career caused you to try to live up to some expectation? I've heard some young guys, especially in the recent past, that talk about, you know, the expectations for them at the travel ball level, feeling like because they were the D1 guy, they had to really come with it every day. So was that like added pressure for you or did you feel like it was more motivation? I'd be lying if I said I wasn't aware of it, but the added pressure was something I'd been used to um, in football, especially because we growing up, I know it sounds crazy, but we talk about like sixth grade football, like we were the team, like people were talking about us and, you know, we had to keep bringing it every day. So if anything, it helped me because it exposed me to, a little bit more of like being one of the, the better players around and you have to face like the best competition. Cause there's, there's plenty of good players around here. You know, it just, it allowed me to learn how to, um, you know, just keep trying to get better because if guys are just going to keep singling you out, you got to do something. You're not going to, as a competitor, you're not going to want to stay and be the same person, you know? Absolutely. No, that, that totally makes sense. And I think I, I look back to my younger years and, and obviously you and I talk a lot about the game and the implications and the stuff mentally that could happen to all of us really. And I don't, I don't think any of us are immune to it. I, I was actually talking to a Ryan McCarty today, who's in the blue Jays organization. And he was telling a story about how one of the big league players uh, was used as a reference point in their, in their, in their draft meetings or in their camp draft camp meetings or whatever. But I think that's the thing that you, you don't really recognize as a young player is that everybody kind of goes through their own struggles at different times, even though our perception is when we're young that we look at college players and we look at, at professional players and we assume that they have it all figured out and that they're immune to everything. Totally. On that note, I mean, so that would honestly be the thing that caused me the most issues would be, okay, guys would see me and think that I should be perfect every day when I still haven't done anything in the game of baseball. Like I'm a high schooler who's got one season under his belt, had a good season, you know, still finding his way. And so, you know, some part of you wants to have a perfect smooth route. And as you'll see, as we talk later on, I've had anything but a smooth path. And I think that most guys 
can say that. It seems when you see big leaguers play, when you see you play, you don't know the struggle you've been through. You just see the guy on the field, you know, hitting. But you a lot of that stuff goes unnoticed. I think people definitely assume it's a linear path. And I think I used to do the same thing when I first got to the big leagues. The first time I played against Miguel Cabrera, it was my second game in the big leagues. And I'll never forget, you know, you live in the highlight generation where you just see this guy on TV and you see the numbers he's putting up and you see 330 next to his name and triple crown MVPs. And you just assume it's, it's all gravy, right? Like you just have this perception that it's not hard for these guys and it couldn't be further from the truth. And I think that's, one of the, the bad things that's come from the information age is that we've we've gotten so almost too revolving into the high or too like focused on the highlights and that we don't really revolve on the journey that the athlete goes through. And I think even when we hear it, we tend to overlook it. And you mentioned me, right? And I think I take it for granted sometimes too, because I see the talent and the the, the skill set that you guys have at your age now the athleticism that you have that I, I almost just assume that you should be further along. Um, the one thing I promised myself is that I'll never forget how hard the game is. So that's why I want to be there for you guys in terms of being a resource, you know, just to talk about anything. And I, and I know a lot of guys have a tendency to not want to open up about it. Did you find that other teammates of yours or other guys that, that you were going along in the journey with kind of went through the same things and really tried to guard it? Yeah, so that's a good question because you see as you get older, the kids who have continued to play are better at guarding it. But then again, like when you get close to guys, you can kind of start learning about like their journeys. So, for example, this summer, Matt Shaw, really great player, Massachusetts kid. I had the chance to look into his journey. And, you know, he's a super – he's been an underrated kid for a long time. And it was just a matter of time before he broke out. But I was just talking to him. You know, you see his numbers. You're like, wow, this kid's unreal. And then – you know, it's, it hasn't been easy because coming up from Massachusetts, as you know, is not, it's not an easy thing to do. And, you know, he just put it all together. I mean, he's been putting it together, but he was a great resource because we kind of were able to talk about the journey and learn from each other. And, uh, you know, it was just turned into something really special this summer. I think that's awesome that you guys had uh, each other lean on. We actually, we wanted to have Matt on the show with you. Thought it would have been really cool, but timing kind of didn't work out. We're going to try to have him as a guest separately. Um, and you guys were just featured in an article by Peter Gammons in The Athletic, which I thought, A, what a legend. Peter Gammons got a chance to talk to him at Fenway the other night. And I feel like anytime PG wants to talk to you about anything baseball, you make yourself available. So tell me about what that experience was like for you. And then obviously, you know, expand on, on, on what having another mask guy, another guy that you knew was going through stuff and how important it was to have him as a teammate this summer. Yeah. To start with Peter Gammons. I mean, I've always looked up to him. I mean, how could you not, you just hear about, you've read all of his articles. He's, he has insane baseball knowledge. So I actually met him first in high school. I was playing at Fenway. Um, so I got to talk about how I played hockey at Fenway with him and he thought that was cool. So I really didn't expect him to remember me just because I was a kid playing the game. Just there's a bunch of kids at the, you know, the event. So then I ran into him and, you know, he remembered me and I just, it was such an honor. I just remember being like, wow, Pete Gammons remembers me. And so we ended up talking to him for a while, me and Shaw, and we ended up going out to lunch with them and just listening to him, just sit there, listen, just hear the stories he has to tell. Like I, I can't even begin to tell them because he just tells them in such a way but it's just so cool, you know, and I hope stuff like that and baseball just never goes away because it's so important. Yeah. He was telling me, uh, I saw him, we talked, it was incredible. I went to, I went to Fenway the other day when the Jays were in town and uh, uh, he was telling me a story about just, you know, his, his favorite players, one of his favorite players of all time, Chase Utley. And it's amazing, even though he's gotten into his elder years and um, he's so, consumed by the game and by the stories that go around it and by great players. And he talked about chase and how chase was a, a, you know, an all-star type player early in his career and uh, potential hall of famer even, and then really took a role with the Dodgers later in his career. That was more of a elder statesman uh, veteran who wasn't an everyday player. And that I think a lot of times is a hard thing to do, but it all resonated around love for the game, right? We were talking about, um, a friend of his who works in a front office and 
how he thought at the top of every scouting report, it should say, how much does player X love the game? And I thought that was so cool because I think that's like a, a prerequisite to, to become great, right? Because if you don't truly love the game, you, you almost, you don't hold yourself to high enough standards sometimes, I think, right? Is that totally because you, no, absolutely. Because you get to a point where it's so emotionally draining that you want to remove yourself from it. But if you love the game and it's, it's not a hassle or a chore to show up to the field, you just go and, and you just try to be better, <laughs> you know? When did you, when did you, what age did you figure out that baseball was going to be it for you? Was it kind of always the, the clearest path or did hockey and football take precedence for a while? So growing up, I really wanted to be a, a quarterback in college. Like that's what I, I grew up dreaming about. I went to Belmont Hill and that was my plan was to go and get ready to, you know, do whatever it took. But after my freshman year, I had the opportunity, there was an opening in center field. So I got the chance to play every game in high school. So from that, you know, from that spring on, I never really looked back. And I'd always been a kid who had like a kind of a knack for the focus of the game. Like when kids would be in little league, when kids would be like looking at the clouds and picking flowers, I'd be always locked in. And it's just something I've always really loved. And I never really knew how much I loved it until, you know, I started thinking about the future. Um, because, you know, there's just so many cool ins and outs of the game that just don't really exist in any other sport. And that's what makes it so challenging. So I just, I love to try to be a student of the game and, and that's what really keeps just bringing me back. Yeah, that's awesome. I think uh, it's pretty clear. It was pretty clear the first time I met you. Um, a, how much you you liked the game, how much you respected it, and and B, how much you cared about getting better and really becoming the best version of yourself. I talk about that all the time. I think too many guys are caught up in trying to be better than the next guy when the reality is like we should be focused on becoming the best version of of who we are uh and i think that's this like the line that we have to find all the time is like how do i maintain my confidence while i'm trying to become a better version of myself and not hold myself to a higher standard and i know you and i have had a lot of interactions about about that it's like and and i don't think you've necessarily experienced enough to to get to that, that Zen state of like, I'm the man, but I'm going to keep trying to get better and understanding how to, how to like really blend those two things. Right. Totally. For me, it's been a challenge because I've always been the guy who just, who rides the highs of doing well, getting hits. And then kind of when I'm struggling, I'll, I'll go into panic mode almost, which it might not look like it, but in my mind, I'm like, Oh, I got to do this. I got to lift my leg this high. I got to do this. But lately we've been trying to, I've been trying to just work on, you know, when it gets tougher, you know, just try to simplify. Don't rework the, don't rewrite the the swing. Just can keep competing. And, and obviously there's going to be some mechanical things here and there, but when you let them consume your swing in the game, it just, you're playing for the wrong reasons. And that's what yeah, I've been trying to learn. The, the fun of it goes away, right? Like, and I think so that's true. I think that's the part that I try to tell all young players is, and this is a core principle, right? We've been talking a lot about core principles lately, you and I. The game is fun. The game is meant to be fun. It is a game. They say they yell play ball. They don't yell work ball. They don't yell like suck ball. They yell, they yell play ball. Like, right. They don't like they it's, if it's meant to be fun, it is a competition and in its truest form and its truest sense, baseball is competing and competition is inherently meant to be fun. Now, all that being said, I think, winning is just as important right because if we if we put an emphasis on learning how to win as a team i think it can relieve a lot of the stresses of individual failure and success and things like that so it's it's that's the biggest challenge and i think as you get older you start to see those things much more clearly and it's just a little bit harder probably early on in 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 your uh in your journey like when I look back at some of the best teams I've been on, whether it's baseball or other sports, it's, it is that much more fun. And it's, I always would think like, Oh, is it more fun because we're winning or are we just having fun and it's the byproduct? And I honestly think that, you know, just having fun is the, you know, is the cause like you see, you start having fun and then you just start winning. Like this summer is the perfect example of that. And we can get well, into that if you want. Yeah. We're, we're we'll definitely going to get into that. We're definitely going to get into that. Like, and I think that's, you know, time is the truest test for all of us and experience is the, is the true, is the best teacher, right? Like, you know, you can hear it all you want. You can think about it all you want. You can talk about it all you want. 
but until you experience certain things in your life and in your career, like, how do you, you know, how do you really let them resonate with you? And it's amazing, like how we can have these reflections back after certain seasons that we played that really allow us to say, okay, what made this year different? And then, and then there's always like these overarching themes, right. And there's these big defining moments and these feelings of like, Oh, well, it was almost like I felt invincible that year. And then realistically, like you go, you go back and look at them and, and that's how it was for me anyway. In my best years, I felt like I didn't make outs. Right. And, you know, I had some pretty good ones. I hit, you know, 350, 340, whatever. And if you go look at it in totality, like the year you hit 340 versus the year you hit 300 or 270, even it's like, you know, a handful of hits, a handful of barrels. And it's, but it's more of, the mindset that you took to the field with you every day, which I think creates significantly more freedom to just play the game and do what you're supposed to do from that perspective. It really just eliminates the time in between when you're really feeling it. Like when you're going to the field and trying to scratch a hit out, if you're having fun, like it makes it a lot easier to just not worry about it and just try to go win, like go do a job, get a bunt down. I know people don't think that's as important like anymore, but to get, just do a job, even move a guy. Like that's a small win. You can take that victory with you and use that for confidence. Cause a lot of guys, you know, they say they're confident when they're hitting good and then they lose their confidence. And, you know, I've been, I've definitely done this before, but there's little wins in the game that you talk about that you can take and just build confidence from there. It's just a matter of remodeling the way you look at it. Sounds like a, a maturing young man. It sounds like a, a, a an elder, an elder, wiser version of the Evan Slight that I once knew. So we're awesome. trying. Yeah. I might just be saying it. It's a matter of now doing it. I'm All starting. Right. So, so that's that's hey. Every day is is a is a day is an opportunity to get better and grow, and that's it. That's the way we have to look at it. And then when you start living in that abstract existential world, it's it becomes much easier because there's there is no finish line, right? There there's really just a starting block every day. And then the finish line is out where it is and we're just going to keep running toward it. And then at some point we're going to get done and we're going to look back on it. So it's uh, it's good stuff, man. Um, all right. So, you know, we talked about like smooth paths and all these linear paths to becoming a Cape league all-star. Your path wasn't very linear. First of all, like you had to deal with going to college at the university of Virginia, which in and of itself can be pretty stressful for a young man coming from mass Tell me what happened. Your freshman year was 2020, no less, or 2019 going into 2020, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, Virginia was really that all that I thought that I was about, about competing and, you know, just trying to be, you know, tough and, and be better at life. So go do your homework and get A's on and do everything early, get there early. And that's stuff that I believe in. I totally believe in like, some of the thought process behind a lot of the stuff that went on there. I just, you know, was playing well, felt good, was kind of a little uncomfortable because it was college. I was away from home, a normal college feeling as a freshman. Right. So was playing solid. Then I ended up getting hurt. And so that kind of lingered into the, this is in the, the fall, right? This is in the, so fall. I got, yeah, your... I got hurt towards the middle back end of the fall. And then and you thought it was, it was nothing and you're, you're like, Oh, it's an ankle sprain or whatever. Right. Yeah. So I played on it for a month and turns out it was broken. So then it lingered through the spring and I was just like reeling. Like I was doing like whatever I could to be around the field. I was showing up with crutches and, and just trying to do what I could because, you know, I wanted to be there with the team. I love the guys. Like I really enjoyed being around like a lot of my teammates. So when the spring came around, it was really tough for me because it was the first time I'd really been sitting on the bench watching games. So I, I was in a boot and crutches and I really had to think about how much I love baseball really for the first time. And especially since as I was starting to come back, COVID hit, right? So I packed my stuff. I went home and I didn't know what was next. I thought that I'd be going back to school. thought I was going to be getting ready to fight for a job, but it didn't end up working out like that. And I was looking for a new home. That's pretty incredible, right? Because first of all, let me tell you this kid, any guy that plays on a busted ankle for a month with, you know, when they, they're just trying to fight through it and you find out later down the line that it's broken, you can be on my roster every day of the week and twice on Sunday. So I'm going to tell you that first. Second of all, like, I mean, it should have, 
like that's a pretty devastating thing to have happened. Like you think your 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 plan, your f- your forty five year plan is, hey, I'm going to go to UVA, I'm going to ball out in the ACC, and you know we're going to compete nationally, go to o- Omaha, and then all of a sudden it's like you get the end of your freshman year, and it's like, well, uh, we don't know if there's going to be a spot here for you. Like that was pretty like demoralizing. It hurt. I would say, yeah, it hurt. It was the first time I was really just like, what next? Like. I've been committed there for three, three and a half years. I pictured my life there. I've met a bunch of great people. And then I was just, I didn't know what to do. So I came home and I, you saw me, I came and hit, I went to hit and I was just a mess. I was all over the place. I didn't know what I was doing. I barely wanted to go to the field. I was just kind of in like, I don't know what to do, you know? Yeah, I, I remember that was uh, that was probably the first stretch where you and I spent ample time talking, right? Like daily, and totally. I was just it was, trying to yeah, I was trying to reassure you, like, hey, dude, you're a guy. Don't worry about it. It's gonna be okay. And it, easy from my point of view, right? Like, I'm not the one going through it, but I'm sitting there, and I know that there's gonna be opportunity for you, right? Like, it's as soon as your name hits the portal, like you're gonna get 20 phone calls and let's talk about how, what, what, that, what ended up happening there. Yeah. So, I mean, at first I was like, I didn't really want to go anywhere because I was like, I was too much thinking too much about the name. I was thinking too much about like, Oh, this, this looks like this. Oh, I got to do this because like, Oh, play for this guy. Like I was really still into that because for three and a half years, I've been the guy that, you know, I'd look at other people. And you'd kind of judge them based on the place they were going. Looking back now, that's the stupidest thing you could do because there's plenty of good players everywhere. And I wouldn't have learned it until, you know, I got to where I am now. But so I was getting calls from, you know, some mid-majors. I wasn't really super interested in a lot of schools, even though they have some good programs, just for, like, location. And, you know, until I got a call from, you know, Coach Owens. And I'd heard about him in high school, Coach at Bryant. So I was like, okay, he's won everywhere he's went. I've heard about it being a kid from New England. Like we've heard about Bryant. They went to a regional. They had 40 something wins for two years in a row. And um, so I was like, okay, that could be good. So I called you and called my family. I was talking to my parents. I was like, okay, maybe Rutgers. And I wasn't super sure at first because I was still that naive kid who was, who was too attached to, you know, to even leave Virginia. So I was still worried about that. Um, and then a couple of local schools made a little bit of a late push, but I ended up committing the Rutgers and, and it's been amazing. It really has. It's amazing how the, you know, the, the cliches like the sky's always darkest before dawn and, you know, the perception of stuff that we create in our brains, like, right. Like you, you fabricated so much of that story for yourself, not to, you know, shit on you or anything like that but you're right that, that, but that story is created and we do that to ourselves as players we do it to ourselves all the time we think that the world is viewing things a certain way the world is seeing me as x and that must mean that you know i am this and i went through it on a personal level after my own my own stuff when i got suspended and i was just thinking about so much about how people were perceiving me or viewing me when dude i look back now and i'm like nobody cared like literally nobody cared but that's part of building our armor, right? Like I talk about that all the time. Like you have to build a, a suit of armor for yourself every day, day in and day out, because if not the game and life even will chew you up and spit you out. And I think it's so important for young players to, to understand like how to detach from everything that on the surface in our own world seems so devastating or so ridiculous and really like, look at look at things from somebody else's point of view right try to like take an objective view and like bobby always says this you can't see the label on the bottle when you're stuck inside it right and i think that's how the saying goes the 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 truest reality in life is that people get so caught up in in the way they see the world and they just assume that everybody sees it the same way they do and it couldn't be further from the truth more often than not right yeah i mean it still even took me another year. Like I got to Rutgers and I was still caught up in it. Like I couldn't get out of my way. Like I was a shell of myself. I, I was still attached to like the idea of the name. And I was like, you know, 
I still am not myself even coming into, I thought I got over it as I went into the spring and I thought I was over it when I went to, you know, summer ball and it really got me. Like it really came back and got me. Cause I, it just showed me that I just still had a long way to go and you always have a long way to go. Baseball's hard and it's always going to kick you, but especially then I was super vulnerable to it because I just didn't have a way of like deflecting. it. I had to learn. Well, it was your first experience with somebody telling you basically in 30 words or less, Hey, I don't have room for you on my team. And the weird part about that is again, we, as baseball players, we tend to look around us, right? We tend to look at the players next to us and the players alongside us. And we judge ourselves within that circle of players, right? When, the the reality is is like coaches have different ideas in their heads about roster construction and the way they think about lineups and the way they think about position players and and just how the puzzle pieces might fit together right and it happens all the time like players get released in the big leagues all the time the minor leagues they get released all the time and nobody prepares you for it like nobody gets you ready for it and it's happening way more in college now too right with the all the rules and the way things are changing you're just never ready for somebody saying, Hey, thanks, but no thanks. Because you view it as like, you're not good enough to play for that team. When the way you really should view it is like, my set of skills doesn't fit the criteria of what this guy or this team or this coach is trying to create right now. And that doesn't mean that the guy next to me is better than me in any capacity, because really like, nobody knows when you're a freshman in college, if you're better than the guy next to you, like it's, you still have to grow up. You're still a kid, you know? No, it's so true. I mean, the one thing I've really enjoyed about Rutgers is, you know, we just have a ton of kids who, who just are selfless and, and just do whatever it takes. Like that's not to say that any other school does that any less, but I'm just saying that this Rutgers team, I've really just been a, enjoyed being a part of it because, you know, we started from nothing. Coach Owen started from nothing. Like this team hadn't been good since 2007. And, you know, now we're on the brink of being like a really, really good team in the big 10. We already had a great season last year. We just didn't get, you know, what we should have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's get into that. Right. You you go through your freshman year and I, I would say the 2021 season, I would say for, for everyone was pretty unique. And especially I think for a, a first year college player and in the big 10, you guys had no midweek games. You did. Yeah. Doubleheader Saturday, doubleheader Sunday, trying to get four games in against every team in the conference. Tell me about your freshman year. Like you, you ended up starting your your very first game as a as a player as a Scarlet Knight, right? Totally. I was so nervous. I mean, it had been a long time coming. It felt it had been two years since I'd. I mean, year and a half since I'd played like like for something. I mean, summer ball is always competitive, but I hadn't been on a team that really wanted to win in the year and a half. So that was super different for me. I was excited. We were playing in, uh, in Minnesota at the Vikings field. So it was a big place. That perception was a little tough. Hitting was great there. Seeing in the outfield was a little challenging, but um, yeah, no. So freshman year overall was, it was okay. I mean, oh, wait, team, wait, 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 you, you so uh, wait, we can't just gloss over this. Your first game in college, first at bat, you have a pretty good at bat. Uh, end up making an out, I think. But then what happened your second at bat? Yeah. What happened your second at bat? Oppo Grand Slam was my first your college first, hit. Your first college hit is an Oppo Grand Slam. And I'm sitting there looking at the computer screen screaming, and I'm like, that's so cool, right? Was there part of you that at that moment was like, dude, yeah, I'm the man. I'm the man. I'm the cheese. I like, blacked I, out. I, next, yeah. yeah. So that was like the first time I totally blacked out because the next inning I made an error, and I hadn't made an error in four years in high school. And I was like, whoa, I don't even know where I am. I had to take like some deep breaths and, and lock back in. So that's like a perfect example, right, of the game and what it does to us. It's a perfect example because like you start your freshman year on the highest of high notes or your freshman season, technically your first yeah. season of college. Like you end up hitting a grand slam, couple knocks in game one. Like you're just riding high, right? And then like the year was kind of up and down, which it, it should be because you have to go through ups and downs as a player. I think, you know, you did okay the first few weeks and then scuffled a little bit. And then uh, I think it was the Purdue series when you really, when you really kind of turned it on, maybe after a little bit of motivation from, from somebody that, that knows you're pretty good. Um, I needed it. Well, yeah, but like, it was just like a, Hey man, you're really good. And these are like the constant reminders that we need as players. Like I remember watching the series before and I, I asked you specifically and like, 
you're, you're telling me a different story than what my eyes told me. And I was like, bro, you can't fool me. Like, I don't know why you're trying. I don't know if you're trying to fool me or you're trying to fool yourself, but the guy that I watched is not the guy that you're describing in the at-bats. And I think maybe you thought in your brain that that was like something you needed to do instead of like being okay with being vulnerable. It's like, yeah, dude, I sucked today. I was kind of horse shit. And like, I need to make it better this week. The work this week's going to all lead to it. So I kind of, I laid into you a little bit, but then I remember the next weekend kind of went off again. Right. Yeah, no, totally. I've always been a super serious dude, not show a lot of emotion in the game, no matter what I'm doing. I'm always pretty level-headed. So part of it, I mean, it goes both ways. I don't get it too excited, but I, you know, sometimes you need to get a little angry to, to make some changes or else you're just going to be complacent. So you definitely got, you, you ripped into me. I remember it was good. I needed it. And I had a week to sit on it because we didn't play midweeks. And then I was ready for Purdue and had to end up having a really good weekend. So clearly it worked. And then the last part I want to talk about, not to reflect back on it, because I think it, it leads to a lot of good. Uh, the weekend at home, you guys were playing, uh, I can't remember who it was. North Was it Northwestern at home? Northwestern was home? it. Yeah. No. Uh, Indiana? State maybe? Yeah. Whoever it was. So you're, you, you're now like on the climb again, right? You were oh, like yeah. went from 260, 270, 280, and you went in that series. I think you were hitting 298, right? It and was Nebraska like, and Indiana. Indiana. Oh, no, okay. So you had both, right? And you have like probably three weekends left, right, to finish your, your first year. And I remember you said to me on the phone, you're like, I'm going to hit 300. I'm going to get over 300 this weekend. And you went into a four-game series. And what happened when you started chasing the wrong carrot? One for 22 with a homer. With a pump. For 22. Which, if we're going to take a 122, that's a good way to do it, right? <laughs> but I think the thing I think the thing that, that we can point out from that, right, is like – and this is something you and I talked about. And, again, I'm, it's going to lead to a, a better part of the story. But I think the thing that's really – great to point out to anybody that's listening is like, I, I used to do the same thing, right? Like I would see the number, I would look up, I tell people I, I looked up, right? Yep. I looked up at the scoreboard. I looked up at my stats. I, instead of like finishing the race. And that was uh, somebody that you and I both know one, my mentor in baseball, Rich Gedman, and he described it on an earlier podcast. It's like playing blackjack, right? Like when you have a few chips in front of you after the first four or five hands until you leave the table, they're not yours. And yep. the problem is we can't just leave the table in the middle of the season. We got to play the thing out, right? Play your so hand. You, yeah, you got to keep going, right? And so you finish your freshman year pretty good. Um, team was okay. I think you guys were just above 500, but no postseason 2021. Um, you come back for the 2022 season. You go to summer ball and had a tough summer. And this yep. is just another learning experience. And I think that was a great experience for you playing the NCBL in a a little bit of a weird situation up and yeah, we'll say it was comfortable. Yeah, it was, you know, learning experience. That's all we'll different, say there, right? And, and then we'll and move that's, on. And yeah, because it's different. Like it was just different, right? And now you come back as a as a redshirt sophomore, technically yep. a junior, more mature, um, ready for the fall. Worked on some things that you want to work on, and then. Uh, Rutgers puts together arguably its best season in, in school history. And uh, you're a big part of that. Finished your 310, uh, played 57 games, 55 starts, 213 at bats, 43 runs, 66 hits, 66 hits, 10 doubles, eight homers. Like, well done, young man. Like, uh, you. I thought credentials that were good enough to be all Big Ten, certainly. Um, but, you know, kind of got snubbed on that front and that's okay. Like whatever we got, we got some, some unfinished business there, but yeah. talk about what it was like to be a part of that team and some of the players on it. So first I'm going to start off with the apartment because what we had was really special this year. So we call it apartment 81, obviously, because it's apartment 81, but it was me, Ryan Lasco, Tony Santa Maria, Nick Samillo, and four guys who just love baseball all in different ways. But we always were just working on just like, you know, caring a little less for the better and just helping each other out after a bad day. And, you know, we, we had a really crazy year, you know, some really good players in that apartment. And, and honestly, it was because of the whole team. We got Chris Brito, Dan DiGiorgio, Mike Neister, Richie Scheikoffer. I mean, I'll, I could, the list goes on. Tons of really good players who have always been told that they weren't good enough, right? So you got a bunch of guys playing with a chip on their shoulder who can play. So it was just a scary lineup, scary team. And, you know, 
we put together a really good season and we thought we deserved more. So we're going to be playing with an extra chip on our shoulder this year. Yeah. I mean, you guys went to the big 10 tournament as the number two seed uh, down to the last day with a chance to win the big 10 regular season, uh, you know, fighting with a Maryland team for that, that big 10 championship who, you know, hosted a regional and yeah. like everybody thought you guys were an automatic bid to get in and, you know, Whatever the committee saw, I don't know, because let me tell you something, watching that offense was super fun. I mean, I think you guys hit well over 300 as a team. I'm, I'm going to end up pulling it up right now because I'm, I'm curious, like just a monster lineup, probably a top five offense in college baseball. The team hit 320, 96 homers, um, uh, gosh, 565 runs scored compared to the opponents 277. Uh, you guys, OPS 952 as a team. Like, these are video game numbers. Like, Yeah, we led the you know. country in runs scored per game. Yeah. 9.4 or something. I mean, like, you look at the, you know, I know you guys didn't play in what's considered one of the the big-time conferences, but you're power five, and I, I, you were fun to watch. Much respect to Coach Owens, Kyle Petteruto, the hitting coach, and all the guys that you played with. I told some of your roommates, Lasco and, and, and Samillo, like, I enjoyed watching them and, it was, it was a fun lineup to watch. And I think, you know, obviously like, you know, had bigger expectations, but I think it's an opportunity for everybody to go back with, with a little bit more edge this year. Yeah. We're coming with the different, different edge this year, you know? Yeah. So, so then it leads to, okay, now we're getting in the summer and we're really not sure what's going to happen. The Cape, I think the Cape came in with a temp, like. Yeah. Early, so I was like, a temp, but I was telling everyone that I was a full yeah. Well, you willed it into existence. So like yeah. you, you ended up signing a temp and born, right? Um, you finished the season, come home for a little bit, and then Cape basically started right away. And what happened? Yeah. So, I mean, it started off on a rough note. So being a temp player, you know how it is. It's, it's a little challenging to stay on the Cape um, if you don't put up the numbers. So I got bronchitis right the night before the first game. So I woke up in the middle of the night and I couldn't breathe. So my uncle drove me to the hospital and I was up till 6 a.m. And so I try to go to the game the next day and I'm warming up. And I almost pass out. Like I'm, I'm dying. And I, I usually play it through like sickness and whatever it is, but I was like, I cannot play. So I end up going home. I lay in bed for three days and missed the first three games. And I think I'm going to get cut. I'm just can't stop thinking about, oh, I'm going to get sent home. Like, oh, I'm done. Like, pack it in. Call my coaches. Like, don't be, like, shocked if this happens. I got sick. And I end up coming back. And, you know, the rest was kind of history. I just ended up having a good summer. And, I mean, we'll get into it. But yeah, that's how it started. Turned, you turned into, like, you had glimpses of being the guy that I think that you know that you can be every day. And I think you're you're trending toward that. Um, you know, third week of the season, I think Cape Cod League Player of the Week. Uh, really, just I think it was a a, a very well deserved like moment and 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 stretch of time where like the guy you've been in search of, but playing with freedom and yep. like just the right mindset every day and what it allowed you to do from a really like blending like your your swing stuff with your mindset and yep. being in a great environment right totally I mean it was the first time that I really felt like I was playing like I could since high school and it was cool because it wasn't because of the results like that wasn't what it was the results just happened to show up I was just playing with like a different attitude that like a little bit of indifference just trying to have fun like just going out there with guys who had like the same motives and, and having a fun coaching staff and, you know, playing with the chip on the shoulder. Like I said, the, they don't think the big Ten's good. And there was, you know, I think five out of the top 10 hitters or seven hitters were the best hitters in the league. So we all played with that chip on our shoulder, me, Shaw, Brito, and there was a ton of good players on our team. Yeah. Ended up with uh, another big 10 guy, another Rutgers guy on that championship team. Uh, Corota Grower ended up there, so yep. it, was, it was actually cool totally. to come down and watch you guys and represent for the Big Ten. And I think it's it's uh, it's pretty impressive, a testament to you guys. And obviously, I mean, you made quick work of the playoffs. I think you lost the one game in the first round and then uh, yeah. swept your way through the rest. It was it was really uh, 
I think what a what an amazing turnaround, right? From we're sitting here two years ago, like you know, wondering if the world's going to end because UVA says thanks, but no thanks, and here we are, you know, with these credentials in our back pocket now because you just you, you were able to to stay the course and continue to fight and not allow anybody that told you you weren't good enough to dictate whether you were or not. And now we look at it like, oh, like, oh, you want to say I'm not good enough? I've been here before. <laughs> like, what are you going to say? Yeah. Just keep and that's, going. I mean, that's a pretty fair representation of my career, right? Like totally. If, if anybody that looks back at one of my old teammates from Independent Ball called me the other night and he's asking all these questions and he's looking at the stuff that's in the background and he sees the big crystal thing up there. And, you know, he's like, oh, what's that? And I was like, oh, it was the triple MVP the year I you know, he's like, oh, what? that was 2013. And he's like, so you started the year in AAA and then you went to the big leagues? I was like, no, 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 I up and down the whole year. I played 89 games and won the AAA MVP. And, you know, rookie of the year and MVP, they gave me one thing for both awards, which was kind of wonky because, like, it would have been two, get two different two? people. Won it. Yeah, like, I, not that I need a big crystal base, but, you know, every, every, it. yeah, every, every moment in my career, I think, was and I, I really I'm, I'm okay with saying this now after watching the captain uh, I'm a huge fan of, of Jeter and um, he's one of my big three Jeter Jordan and Brady but he talked about like he played to say I told you so I love to say I told you so I'm gonna let you know too right like for all the people that doubt you and they question you that they, they don't they don't know what's inside me they don't know what I'm made of they don't know what my heart looks like and my character and my compete and my desire to get better so like who are they to, to define you? You know, who are they to, to, to let you be defined by them? And as a kid, for me, that was just tough to understand. So that's, I think that's why it took me so long. You know, I wish I could have shown that, but then again, the stuff I've learned is just so like invaluable that, you know, I wouldn't change a thing. I really wouldn't. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think that's, you know, I'm, I'm excited and looking forward to the future for you now that uh, on that note too, right? Like, especially considering the fact that times are so different now than they've been in the last 10 years with the draft and eligibility and this and that come to a 20 round draft. So obviously aspirations of playing at the next level. Um, what was your experience like with that this summer and how much would you say it had an impact on at some point, maybe not the whole yep. time, but at some point on, on how you, how you felt about how you were going about your business. So as a high schooler, I actually had an idea that I was going to maybe get drafted um, and have a chance to sign. And that didn't end up working out. And I remember that feeling of like being like, Oh, okay. Like going to college now. And, and I didn't really know how to feel. So coming into the draft this year, I really didn't think that I was going to garner too much attention until you know, the Cape summer ended up turning out the way that it did. Um, and then, you know, after the draft, after coming back to the Cape, there was definitely a little part of me that was, you know, kind of the same, uh, you know, added to the chip on the shoulder. Like, okay, like you guys like want to be doubted. I'll just, I'll take it head on. And I just tried to play with that chip on my shoulder. And, but, you know, it's not easy to be playing for other people that's what I will say. So as soon as you start to try to play to impress someone or play to, you know, do something when a certain person's there, it's just not going to happen, you know? So it, it, it's been teaching me to just play for my team and win and really not worry about who's there, who's watching. Cause at the end of the day, it's, it's not even really about what they think because if you win the game, you win the championship, that's, that's all people are going to remember. And that's, and that's like the ultimate, satisfaction to me right the 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 i told you so is to prove people wrong like i i tell people all the time like every time somebody told me i couldn't i, I was a contrarian by nature like there was growing up you couldn't tell me what i was going to do i was going to tell you what i was going to do and sometimes it benefited me and other times it probably came back to punt kick me in the face or whatever but so much of what i accomplished in my career was because people told me i couldn't and i think that's you know, you can talk to some of the greatest and they'll tell you they had stories of people that thought they couldn't. And um, you look at Tom Brady, obviously that's why he's, you know, probably one a for me. And like, that's a guy who everybody was counting out. And like 22 years later, like he's had two hall of fame careers, never mind one. And it's like, 
you're 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 the one that defines you. You're the one that defines when your career ends. You're the one that defines how long you're going to play. You're the one that defines where you're going to hit the lineup. Like the coach don't write the lineup card, you do. Because as a player, your job is to figure out how to fit in the paradigm that is the game, right? You figure out how to make an impact on the game every day. And if you focus on that stuff, like the other stuff takes care of itself. And it's just like the same, the same concept as like winning, like is taken care of when you go about it the right way. Totally. And you, you never know where the game's going to take you. I mean, the game's taken me in crazy to crazy places that I never thought I would be um, good and bad. So <laughs> the less you think about it and the more you just take each day as it comes and pitch, pitch by pitch, the less you worry about it. And, and I think that's a big deal for me and something I've been just trying to implement in my game. And honestly, the way I live my life. So that's awesome, man. Um, so before, before I let you go, it's uh, you know, it's getting to be end of the regular season in baseball. Um, and I, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit in the big leagues. And I don't know how much you've been watching. I know I'm, I'm forcing you into watching some baseball now. Uh, tell me what you've things that you've loved about the baseball season, guys that you're, you know, you're really following their careers. And uh, then we'll do a little like playoff snapshot preview thing and, and make some predictions. Totally. So I'm not particularly, I don't particularly follow the season. I will watch games um, just to like, you know, I just enjoy watching baseball. I don't particularly follow any certain player, but <sighs> who have I been following? I mean, I always follow Soto. I think he's, he's fun to watch what he does um he had I think he had a homer last night I did see that I mean Devers too it was cool seeing Devers when we went to the Red Sox Yankees game and just seeing the way he carries himself he's always joking around got a smile on his face and he had a homer that night so you know those are two guys right there two lefty hitters that I I really enjoy watching and you know there's plenty of players I love watching Springer I mean yeah a bunch of guys well, I mean, one of the one of these days, somebody's gonna be saying, "Man, I really like watching Slight. That kid, that guy, Slight is uh, is pretty cool." So that's that's the day I'm looking forward to. All right, so give me your uh, your predictions uh, for the postseason right now. We have so the the here's the the landscape of Major League Baseball, and I'm gonna pull it up right now because I want to make sure we're current. Um, yep. You know, some games just ended as we're doing the teams have been right sliding. Now. I saw. Yeah, so like the the AL East is again the most competitive division in baseball. Where yeah, the Boston Red Sox are technically in last place, but they're I think three games under five hundred or four or five games under five hundred right now. Which there's been like a little bit of a slide. Um, the AL East is I mean the Yankees had such a hot start that they were going to be hard to catch, but you're looking at Toronto, Tampa, and Baltimore all relevant in the wild card race. See, I'm right. super interested in Baltimore. I just I'm curious to see what they can do. I know they've been having a late push, Rutschman and some of those guys, Mullins. I'm just curious to see how far they can end up taking it. Aren't what are they two games out? Yeah, seven games, seven games over five hundred. The wild card and two yeah. games back in the wild card, right? So, like, yeah. I mean, pretty competitive American League right now. The AL Central is interesting because there's three teams separated by six games for the division. Um, the team that finishes second there is going to have a chance at the wild card. Cleveland just, you know, off the top rope, like everybody counting them out, just casually eight games over 500. Terry Francona wow. doing it again there, um, 67 and 59. Minnesota at 66 and 61. And then the White Sox, who have kind of underachieved all year, I would say. Yeah. Um, at two games. Abreu is having a good year, though, has they been? Abreu is just the picture of consistency. This guy yeah. is 300 with 30 and 100 every year, and nobody ever talks about him other than the year he won the MVP. I was going to say, I was watching the game the other – I don't remember who they were playing, but I was looking at his stats. And like, people don't talk about him enough. Yeah, his, uh, his like, lowest year in the big leagues, like, 262. And, yeah. I mean, he's just – everything I've heard about him, his first year in the big leagues was actually the first time I made the team out of camp. And I got to play against him in my first series, and I was like, oh, well, you know, who's this Cuban guy that they signed and talk about? That guy can hit, man. Just same face every day. Uh, totally. You want to talk about a guy that stays even keel and just goes out and does his job. He was born to hit, and uh, from what I hear, he's a great teammate. He was um, on a long over streak, which happens, and I, I was watching him. I can't remember. might have been a week ago, and he got a, got a hit. He was smiling at first base. I love seeing yeah, that. Yeah, you turn, you turn to the dugout, you're like, can Pass I get the, the ball? ball. Like. Yeah. yeah, you just you have to learn to embrace those moments, right? And that's like, hey man, let me get the ball because it's like it's just you. If you if you laugh with everybody, then it's 
you'll never think anybody's laughing at you because those guys, they, they know what it's like. The guys in the dugout and they're rooting for you as a teammate, especially if you're supportive of them. Um, AL West Houston, 82 and 47 with the best record in baseball, I think tied with the New York Mets right now, or sorry, right behind the Dodgers second best record in baseball. Cause the Dodgers don't lose. Yeah. But uh, nobody would have guessed that the, the Astros would have had the, the best record in the American League, I don't think, after the Yankees had the start they did. So give me your predictions. So the division is pretty much over in the East and the West. I would say the Yankees and, and the Astros are going to win. Um, you know, give me your pick for the Central. Uh, Cleveland, Minnesota, Chicago. I was watching Minnesota play the Red Sox earlier, so I don't know. I don't, I don't feel that their lineup is going to carry them to the. So we're taking the Indians, the Indians in the central. It's just going to ride it out. Yeah. Cause I'm not going with the white Sox either. Yeah. The white Sox just can't, they, they, yeah. they're missing something. They're only five games back, but you know, you're running out of time here. Not that saying that you, you're done, but okay. So those are the three, those are the three division winners. Uh, wild card, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Baltimore. I want to see Baltimore win that. All right. I really so, want to see Baltimore. All right, but so is that a prediction or is that like a hope? A hope. I mean, prediction, Tampa Bay. I mean, Toronto, I wouldn't – where's Toronto right now? It's a five-horse race. So we're looking at Tampa Bay. Toronto is in the last wild-card spot. Tampa Bay is a game up. Seattle's half a game up, and Toronto is holding that third wild-card spot. And then it's Baltimore two games back, Minnesota three games back, and that's it. So it's a five. I mean, Toronto is still a lethal team. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they continue to move up. They they can rake. All right. So we got to, we're taking Toronto, Tampa yeah. Bay, and it's either Seattle or Baltimore. Take your pick. Seattle. Okay. Now, who's coming out of the American League? Who is the American League team in the World Series? <sighs> that's a tough question. We can go back to it. You can sink. Yeah, it I got it. I haven't thought right. about it. I got to go back to that. Let's right, start. Let off it sink in. The, so the that the National yeah. League, the the East is the tightest. Well, not necessarily the tightest race. It is, but it isn't. Um, the Mets are eighty two yeah. and forty seven with the second best record in baseball. The Braves are seventy nine and fifty. Twenty nine well, games. They're fifteen over and three. They're fifteen and three in their last eighteen. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, last ten games, seven and three. Um, they just lost two in a row, which interesting but um the, the Mets just doing all the things that Steve Cohen was setting out to do so um who you got in the division there I gotta go with the Mets I mean I hate to say it with all the New York kids on Rutgers yeah. that love the Mets and they're diehard Mets well, fans, it's but... time the Mets they need yeah it's they been deserve a while. it it's been I a mean, while with DeGrom and uh Scherzer I guess <laughs> they got yeah. they got a pretty solid rotation yeah, I, I think the Mets were my prediction in spring training. And then you have the other two teams in the East, Atlanta and Philadelphia, who both look like they have a pretty strong hold on the on the wild card. Uh, Atlanta nine games up. I and don't Harper's think coming back. Correct. Yeah. And the Phillies, Phillies two and a half games back. Harper came back. He's played on. He's Friday. back. Yeah, yeah he, he was supposed to come back uh, Monday, but or today. Um, but he ended up coming back. Uh, he came back Friday or Saturday. Schwarber. So, Schwarber's. Hit him. How I many homers do you have? Thirty-two. Quietly, like got like a almost a forty homer season. Yep. Yeah. And then the good old Cardinals in the Central, seventy-four and fifty-four, five games up, six games up on Milwaukee. Um, and Milwaukee's a game and a half back for the wild card right now. And then the Dodgers, who are obnoxiously good at eighty-nine and thirty-eight. I don't think they ever lose. Um, so you got the Dodgers winning the division, looking like St. Louis is going to win, and then that two-horse race in the East. Um, San Diego is holding the last wild card spot. In the West. They've been sliding though, right? They're they're Correct. way down lately. Yeah, yeah, they make the trades and then rah, rah, rah. so you're looking at Atlanta for sure. Philadelphia is looking like it's pretty close, and then it's it's a two horse race for that last spot between Milwaukee and San Diego. So, um, Milwaukee probably got to go with San Diego over Milwaukee still. Well, we need to, we need it for Major League Baseball. We need Juwan Soto in the playoffs. I we guess. do need him in the playoffs. I want to see the damage he can do again. All right. Try to recreate some stuff. So, so all right, give me your AL and NL predictions. Uh, who's coming out on both sides? I want to say I want to say the Mets are going to come out in the National League. I just love it. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Not that I'd love. I think they can do it. Lindor's been having. He's had a crazy year. Um, love it. 
And who's your American League team now? Mariners. I'm gonna go with the Mariners. Mix it up. Wow, Crazy what, a, pick. what a pick! What they Crazy went for pick. it. I'm proud of them. They went yeah. for it. So all right, you got a Mets. I want to see Julio Mets, take them. Mets, Mariners, World Series. Who's winning? Mets. All right. So Mets are if, you, if your predictions are right, I'm gonna get you a pack of big league chew. Oh, sounds good. What do you uh, want from me then? I got nothing to give you. <laughs> no, I'm not making any predi- I made my predictions in April, and I don't like you making got? predictions. So. I, I'm, I'm terrible Met, at it. I'm going Mets Astros. It's too – and I'd love for oh, the Blue Jays to get Astros. in. I'd love for the Blue Jays to get in because, yeah. you know, if I'll celebrate like I won myself, but uh, we'll leave it at that. I, it, I'm, let's Mets Blue Jays. All right, how about that? I'm, I'm sure. bold. I think I went – I think I said Mets. I'm pretty bold with the Mariners. I mean, I, I'm terrible at predictions. I don't do it often, but I'll, I'll roll with it. We'll see. I think I said Mets Yankees early in the year, another Subway Series, but I don't know for sure. But – on that note, unreal. yeah, we'll see what happens. And and uh, Rutgers will rejoice. Everybody at Rutgers will rejoice because hey, they're the, due. The Jersey kids, even though you guys don't actually have a team, you know, it's fine. Like Jersey's, it's a great state. Everybody loves it. Um, continued success, my man. Um, I look forward to watching you continue to grow. And uh, thanks for taking the time to come on the show, man. Thanks for having me on. I had a fun time. It was great. Awesome, buddy. On that note, Pickle out. <laughs>